This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and you are listening to Season 5 of the Floor Rejects podcast, The Isle of Artemisia. Last week on the Floor Rejects podcast, we covered Chapter 1 of The Isle of Artemisia, in which we met Barrett, Daniel, and Crystal, uh, a trio on vacation in Greece. Um, they were looking for a little adventure. Barrett was looking for a recovery from a breakup. Uh, and they met Nick, who offered to take them out scuba diving and swimming on his sailboat. Uh, where we left off was them getting onto the boat and enjoying themselves. So let's jump into Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Deep Sea. Bear. Barrett. Barrett. Barrett wakens to Daniel's face inches from his. It's darker now. The ocean is calm. The water is inky black and glassy. What? Barrett mutters, his mouth dry and rough. Daniel puts a bottle of water in his hand. Barrett drinks greedily and his friend laughs. We were starting to get worried. Daniel says, gesturing at Crystal, who was pulling her shorts up but staring intently at the two men. Why? Barrett asks. You are dead to the world, dude. Come have a drink, Daniel says, holding a hand out. Barrett stands groggily and makes his way to the railing at the front of the boat. Crystal is already there, a bottle of ouzo in her hand. She passes it to Nick, who slumped next to her, leaning a bit too close for Daniel or Barrett's comfort, but Daniel doesn't say anything, as the outsider flops down next to his girlfriend even closer. She smiles at him, her teeth white, sparkling, and she laughs. Barrett, here, Crystal says, pulling out a smaller bottle of liquor from her bag and handing it to him. He takes a swig and grimaces. It burns as it goes down, but his anxiety quells after a minute or two. Barrett, friend, are you okay? You don't like water? Nick asks over the others. I, uh... I'm trying to get over my fears, friend, Barrett says, focusing on the lapping of the water at the sides of the boat. It's soothing, but not enough to keep Barrett from taking several more deep pulls from his bottle. His body grows warmer as the night goes on, listening to his friends talk and laugh and dance in the moonlight on the quiet, calm water. You are still scared, no? Nick asks Barrett as Crystal and Daniel sway in each other's arms, completely ignoring the two men watching them. Nick's speech is slightly slurred, his accent thicker than it was in the day. No, I think I'm just drunk enough not to care that I'm floating on a little boat thousands of miles from home, Barrett confesses with a laugh. Nick looks down at him, smiling what seemed a genuine smile. That is good news, Nick says, taking Barrett's bottle and drinking from it. Barrett looks at him with confusion. Hey! He pulls the bottle back good-naturedly. Nick comes with it, sloppily kissing him, pressing him dangerously hard against the railing. Barrett's in shock, the sour breath whistling past his cheek, filling his senses as he grapples at the other man's shirt, unsure if he wanted to push him away or pull him closer. He hadn't had someone this close to him since Mark. He does push Nick away after a moment, and the man looks at him drunkenly, dejectedly, in a manner that Barrett decides doesn't suit him. I'm sorry, Nick, I just... I... I... Barrett stops as Nick falls back, waving a hand. It's fine, the man says, backing towards the cabin entrance. He half falls down into it, hitting his head on the doorframe and cursing loudly. Barrett can see him settling on the bed, but turns away as he pulls his shirt over his head. We sleep tonight, 
and swim in the morning, the captain calls out from the cabin, and the couple giggles in blissful agreement. Barrett goes to his bag, pulling his small travel sleeping mat at and blanket out. His friends are quiet, laughing and whispering to each other on the back of the boat, and he settles in for the night, using his backpack as a pillow against the wall of the cabin. He can hear Nick already snoring from his bed. Barrett entertains the brief thought of going into the cabin, of kissing Nick again, of settling down on the bed over him and throwing caution to the wind, but the impulse dies quickly. He had never been a person to be impetuous and carefree. He closes his eyes, listening to the wind whip across the water while the others seem to get a little bit louder and a little bit drunker. The boat rocks and Barrett rocks with it, his body rolling gently until he's lulled to sleep, his tired, sun-soaked body going limp on deck. He wakes up in a dream, his two friends asleep beside him. He knows it's a dream because the ocean glows gently in his mind. The boat has stilled. He stands slowly spinning to take in the view and pauses. In the water, he sees little black spots bobbing like little floating rocks. He draws closer to the edge of the boat, and suddenly in the dim light he can see that they aren't rocks, but heads floating in the water. They're all pointed at him, and his heart begins to race. Their eyes are glowing, staring straight at him. What? He chokes, as suddenly his eyes grow heavy like he was falling asleep standing up. He stumbles as the boat kicks hard to one side. He reaches out but slips and hits the deck hard. Then the boat rolls again and he grabs onto his pack, scrambling to keep his hold. He can hear the wet slap of hands on deck and he turns to see glistening palms grasping at the cracks in the boards. Barrett, completely petrified, even though he knows it's a dream, he's had these types of dreams before, but he hears the slaps getting closer to him. He falls back against his sleeping mat and pulls his blankets over his head like he usually did in his nightmares. He closes his eyes hard, whispering to himself that this wasn't real. Then, with a sudden movement, the whole world rocks and his mind is quiet. When he wakes up again, the sun is warming his skin. The two mats next to him are neatly rolled up, and he hears Crystal's small laugh. Barrett springs up, leaning over the railing to find the two, floating in tandem in the water, smiling up at the boat. "'Jump in, Bear!' Daniel yells, and Barrett smiles, flicking a hand at them and going back to his bag to find his toothbrush and water. He brushes his teeth, spitting off the back of the boat as Nick comes around next to him. The man unzips his pants, and as he reaches in, Barrett spins about, embarrassed as he hears the man begin to piss off the side. "'What?' Nick asks innocently as Barrett rushes back towards the front of the boat. He was nervous. It felt like a trap being on this boat. He was sure he was bound to get in trouble if he showed any interest in Nick, who walked past him nonchalantly and tosses his shirt to the deck. He jumps into the water, making the others move in the waves. They laugh again. Barrett leans back against the railing and pulls his book from his bag, allowing himself a while to get lost in the story before Crystal pulls herself lively up onto the boat. She smiles at him, and he returns it, feeling less panicky the farther he gets from the strange dream he couldn't remember. "'Why don't you get in the water? It's really nice,' she says, flopping down next to him. He shakes his head. He had this strange sensation that the water wasn't safe. "'Water is cold. Come back, Crystal.' Nick's edge from the edge of the boat. What? She says, a little incredulous. Nick rolls up over the edge towards her. Come in the water with me, Crystal, Nick says, his tanned, wet skin sliding up against her side. He smiles at her. One of his teeth is crooked and covers a part of the other. If he wasn't so strange, it would be endearing. No, I don't think so. I just want to take a little break, she says, shooting a look of general nervousness at Barrett. Please, 
The water is nice. He stretches out the last word suggestively, his thin arms flexing as he pulls her body towards him on deck. Barrett has a flash of a memory. No, Nick, swim with Danny if you're lonely, she says, now a bit annoyed. Nick shrugs and his face is pinched slightly in frustration before rolling back off the boat with a splash. What's his deal? Barrett asks. Crystal looks at him as she falls against the railing with a sigh. I don't know. He was cool until we started drinking. Then it got weird, she explains, and Barrett opts not to mention that they had kissed. He is a little strange, isn't he? Barrett asks. Crystal nods with a laugh, and Barrett closes his eyes, letting the sun beat down on him until he's half asleep, listening to the water. Crystal eventually gets back in, trying and failing to see anything underneath the water with the subcarp goggles that Nick had on the boat. She was obviously getting flustered as the day went on, as Nick was becoming bolder with his advances, bolder with his come-ons. It was to the point that he was doing it in front of Daniel, and Daniel began to grow angry as the day moved on. When the couple pulled themselves up on deck, Barrett looked over at the poor waterlogged things. Tired? He asks them, and Crystal nods weakly. She slumps against Daniel as he scoots them over to lay against the cabin wall. That guy? He's weird, Daniel whispers, looking over the deck at the man that floats in the distance. The other two nod. Here, have a drink, perk up. Barrett commands, handing the couple a bottle of tequila. Crystal laughs weakly. They hadn't brought much food, and she was starting to feel the effects of hunger, but they brought plenty of booze. You sure, Bear? I'm really tired, Crystal mumbles into Daniel's chest. I'm sure. You dragged me out here. Not that I'm not grateful, Barrett covers for himself as he sees the look on Daniel's face. He takes a swig of the booze. Daniel smiles and takes the bottle, mimicking his actions. Gimme, Crystal says, drinking deeply. She sputters, laughing as the alcohol floods her system. See? There we go. Only one night to go and we're back at the villa, Barrett says. Suddenly there's a chill to the air, and the sun disappears. Daniel looks up and sees that a bank of massive clouds has rolled over the sun, which had already been setting. Thunder cracks. Shit! Nick calls out from the water, which quickly went from glowing blue oasis to a black abyss. He scrambles up onto the boat and rushes about, trying to fire up his motor. He cranks and cranks, pulling at the starter rope and cursing loudly in Greek. Motor won't start. Help with sails, Nick commands as the clouds roil above their heads and rain begins to patter onto the boat. Barrett stands, swaying for a moment on unsteady legs, and asks Nick what to do. The man points at the ropes that he should pull, but as he does, a sudden wind rips at the sail, and the ropes fly from his hands, shredding his skin and cracking around wildly. Inside, Nick thunders as the sky opens up and rain begins to pour down. Barrett rushes in with the others, and the sky rumbles so loudly that the walls creak and shake. Nick rushes in and shuts the door as water begins to trickle down the stairs. We have to get back, Crystal yelps, and Nick shakes his head. Can't move in the storm have to wait for it to clear, he explains. But I... I hate storms. She has a quiet voice full of fear. It'll be fine, babe. Just sit down over here, Daniel says, guiding her to a mounted barrel chair at a small counter. She shivers, squeaking as the boat rocks again. Daniel leans against the wall next to her, whispering quietly. The cabin grows darker and darker as the light outside dies. How long do you think this will take, Nick? Can, can we call someone to come get us? Barrett asks as Daniel takes a long swig from a bottle of brown liquor. Nick shrugs, flopping down on the bed and pulling a map out from the side of it. 
He tells them he has no phone, and there was no reception out here either way. Well, I guess we wait, Barrett mutters, taking the bottle from Daniel. He makes a disgusted face. It was whiskey that Daniel had picked up at the airport. It was his friend's favorite, but Barrett hated it. While it warms him up, he sits against the wall and waits for his clothes to begin to dry. Daniel keeps drinking, only offering a drink to Barrett a couple of times, and Crystal eventually puts her head down on the countertop, only moving to moan occasionally as the boat kicks back and forth in the storm. In the storm, the cabin gets dark enough that Nick has to pull out a lantern. Barrett checks his watch and finds that it's night, that it was in fact past 9 p.m. How late until we have to spend the night? he asks. Nick rolls over lazily. We must sleep here, he says. Barrett huffs, annoyed to be stuck out here without even the option of laying under the sun or under the stars. Daniel groans and pulls his pack over, laying his head down and falling asleep almost instantly. Barrett puts his head back to the wall, and Nick climbs from his bed plopping down across from Crystal, who looks up at him. Her face has a green hue, almost like she was seasick. You sick? Do you need medicine? Nick asks her, and she shakes her head. I just get really nervous in storms, Nick. I'm, I'm fine, she says. He clicks his tongue, standing up and placing his hands on her shoulders, kneading her softly. Nick, I... Oh, wow. She begins to protest, but falls back against his hands as he distracts her from her nerves. Nick looks at Daniel, who sleeps soundly on the floor, and then at Barrett, giving him a cheeky wink as he massages her. She lets out small mews, obviously unaware that she was putting off flirty energy, instead just happy to be distracted from the storm which still roiled above deck. I am good. I learned from my mother, he says softly to her, leaning down to her tilted back face. She smiles at him but quickly looks to Daniel, and then her face hardens. She swats at his hands. Thanks, Nick, but I'm fine, she says. Nick shrugs and goes to the door, stepping out to the deck as a flash of lightning illuminates his profile. Barrett grabs his bag and blanket, making his bed for the night. In the dim lighting from the lantern, the young man, still awake in the cabin, does begin to nod off. His eyes would shut, and with every jolt of the boat, they would shoot open. He found this rhythm strangely calming, but after a considerably harder jolt caused him to hit his head on his pack so forcefully that he had to sit up and rub his head, he noticed that Nick hadn't returned to the cabin yet. He stands and carefully makes his way to the door, avoiding his friends, who slept on the floor about him, and carefully opens it. There was no rain as he stepped out, no thunder or lightning, but he did notice that the stars were still hidden even though he could still see around him. When he stepped out, he realized that there was light, but it was coming from the sea. There, again, were the bobbing orbs in the water. He has a flash of his dream from the night before. Nick? He calls out, a bit of fear at the glowing sea. The water farther out was still black, shiny like oil, but around the boat there were hundreds of orbs floating closer to it, as if he was standing on a giant magnet. Nick, where are you? He shouts. Here. He hears quietly from above him. Perched on top of the cabin, staring out at the sea, was Nikolaus. He didn't move as Barrett struggled to get up to his level. What are you doing out here? What are these things? Barrett asks. Nick doesn't look at him. People, he murmurs, hypnotized by the rolling waves around them. Slowly into his own horror, Nick begins to hear the familiar slapping of hands on deck from his dream, which is rushing back to him. We need to get inside, Nick, Barrett says, an edge of fear to his voice. People, Nick says again, as if in a trance. I know, come on. Barrett pulls at Nick, but the man won't budge. 
Barrett tries to maneuver and slide down the side of the cabin to the decking, but his vision begins to waver. He gasps as his hands go numb, like he can't control them, and he slips off the side of the cabin and hits the deck with a thump. Terrorized, he watches as wet, glistening feet march past his eyes on the floor. His head thumps in pain, and he closes his eyes, even though he knows he shouldn't. He tries to open them, but they too are paralyzed, unmoving as he listens to the watery splashes of people walking past him. His consciousness begins to slip, fading as his body fails from unknown conditions. He tries to hold on, but finally he falls into unconsciousness, no longer aware of the parade around him. Alright girlies, I'm back. Let's not make this quick, but let's make it succinct, because this is the second time I've recorded this. And there's a random person in my neighborhood playing their saxophone outdoors. So I'm trying to record around that and it's not really working. Um, something I noticed off the bat that I want to work on in my subsequent chapters is repeating certain words, descriptive words. Like in this chapter, I repeated the word royal a couple of times, R-O-I-L. Um, just repeating words like head, door, um, roll, uh, what are some other words? Flip, flop, uh, certain words that describe an action that maybe the same character is repeating over and over or that several characters do in a row. Just because they do it in the row doesn't mean I don't have to use a different word. You know, I can switch up the words, switch up the language so it's not repetitive. And I feel like I do that sometimes and I'm not sure if maybe I'm a little too critical of it or it really is that noticeable, but I feel like I notice pretty often that when I write, you know, I'm trying to get the idea across and in getting the idea across, sometimes I don't think about the actual words on the page so much as what I want you to see happening or what I want you to feel happening. Um, something else I feel like I need to work on just with the story in general is character development. I feel like they, the characters are a little one-dimensional, not super terrible one-dimensional like he is boy she is girl he is mean she is nice but the characters need some more development and a couple of them i think we're going to get to focus on within the next couple of chapters um but not all of them so i want to focus on the character development and the getting to know these characters better in the next couple of chapters as best I can so that it feels like a well-rounded, flushed-out idea. Um, going along with that, something else I need to work on, I've got a lot of things I need to work on it seems like this week, um, is I need to work on setting up the imminent disaster and kind of the setup for that needs to be a little more punchy. Um, a little spoiler, the flirting that Nick does with Crystal kind of plays a part in the next couple of chapters, and I feel like I didn't play it up enough. Like I, you know, I mentioned the flirting a few times, I mentioned that it makes her uncomfortable, that it makes Daniel mad, but I don't really think that the severity of it matches what comes or what's assumed to come in the next couple of chapters. So I think on further revisions on you know, kind of next steps with a story, any story, when you go back, you revise it, you add, you subtract. I want to add more of that like uncomfortable flirting, uncomfortable weirdness that I want Nick to have so that it makes sense what's going on later in the story. Um, but some things I did good this week that I think were pretty good. I like the imagery of this chapter. I like the imagery of the ocean. Um, 
I like the imagery of these little floating orbs in the ocean, but the ocean is glowing. It reminds me of this story I read. Um, it's a true story. It's based on this little girl who was at sea with her family, and the family had this captain that they hired, and the captain attacked the family and killed all of them except for her, and left her adrift at sea. Um, and she said she woke up one night, she was delirious, she was hungry and thirsty, but she wasn't scared because she woke up and the ocean was glowing, and it was like bioluminescent algae that was glowing, but that it didn't scare her. And that imagery is powerful, and I kind of wanted to take that and make it scary, make it less, you know, make it so that somehow an all-black sea would be more appealing than a glowing ocean where there's more light because it's revealing something scary. It's not revealing dolphins or jellyfish or, or little fish swimming around. It's revealing these floating heads in the water that are absolutely terrifying. I also like the the kind of description of the hands wetly slapping against the deck. I I feel like I can hear it in my head when I write it. And I like that kind of really sick, sort of startling sound, not imagery, but yeah, I guess imagery. That really uh, visceral sort of description of, of feet marching past his head or of the sounds of hands slapping up onto deck. I love that. I think I did that pretty well. Um, some other things that I think I did well, I do think that I I kind of let Barrett be this antisocial sort of loner character that's with his friends but still kind of doing his own thing and just kind of sleeping his way through this, which, you know, is something that I can relate to and I think a lot of people who have that same sort of anxiety can relate to is the just kind of take your pills, grin and bear it, lay back and just kind of let the world go on around you and wait for it to be over. Um, and so I think I did that pretty well because Barrett, even though he's kind of the main character, doesn't really do a whole lot. He just lays around observing because he doesn't want to be an active participant. He's too scared to. Um, so I really like that as well. Um, that's, I think, pretty much it that I, that I liked and disliked from this chapter. Um, couple things if you want to download some art some like minimalist style art that's from a queer artist that is queer in nature you can check me out on etsy my store is called floor rejects um, it's all downloadable art so you buy it it's every single one of them is $3.99 you buy it you get sent the downloaded file you can either print it out at home on your home printer which I think you can do pretty well with these um, as long as you're okay. They're usually either black and white or black and like two other colors. Um, so if you have a black and white printer, there's plenty of, of different choices for you. If you have a color printer, there's some choices for you as well. And they're pretty high quality photos. So if you wanted a, a larger size or something, you could send it to a printer and have the images blown up to whatever size you want. Um, a lot of them have their dimensions listed in inches, but you know, feel free to blow them up as big as you want or as big as they would look good. Um, I think it would be cool. I've always dreamed of the things that I create being in people's houses. So if you want to, check it out on Etsy, Floor Rejects. Um, remember that I dropped my book a couple weeks ago. You can find it on Kindle for free. You can find it in 
your bookstores if you ask. Um, ask your local bookstores if you're interested in reading it and picking up a copy, or if you're just there, ask them to pick up a few copies, to order a few copies, um, or you can order them directly from Amazon if you just can't wait. Um, but yeah, those are some things that I would love for you to check out. Follow me on Twitter, Floor Rejects on Twitter. Um, send me an email. I'd love to get some emails, some responses or some critiques or some things that you like about my story or other stories or things you'd like to see come in future episodes or changes you'd like to see to the format of this podcast. Send them to floorrejects at gmail.com. I'll get them. I'll read them. I appreciate it. Um, but I'm not going to hold you here forever. That would be rude. So until next week, I've been your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and I'm going to go because the saxophone man is being quiet and I don't want him to come back in this recording. So bye.